So we're going through the book of Ephesians, and if this is your first time, uh, just know that, and we're going slowly, and it took us like 10, 11, 12 weeks to get to uh, chapter 2, but we finally made it, and we're go- we want to go back and look at what we saw the last couple of weeks before the weight of today will just kind of jump off the page and make sense, okay? So Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 is where we're ending, but I want you to go back to verse number 1. Go ahead. Am I on? Oh, there we are. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that one may boast. All right, very good. Good job, Kara Wadley. And at this point, I'm going to pray, but before I do so, Camp Redstone kiddos, where are you? Okay, your teachers are all in the back. You got Luke back there waving his arm, so you guys are dismissed to go to Camp Redstone. All right, let's pray together. Lord, we just heard uh, your word, your holy word. And God, I pray that you would help it to come alive to us. The words that were just read by Kara have the potential to forever change our lives. And I say this often, but lots of words are spoken on a Sunday morning by me. And Lord, I pray that my words would fall to the ground and only what is of you would remain. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Okay, quick review. So for the past few weeks, we've been discussing salvation, basically. We've been talking about the gospel and from the beginning of Ephesians 1 all the way to the end, everything is about the gospel. Your first time, there's three sections to Ephesians and our body is gonna know what those are. The first section that we are in starts with the P and it is? Position. So right now we're in position. Position goes from chapter 1 through chapter 3, and it shows us who we are in Christ. Okay? And then the next one that we go into is going to be practice. Okay? So now this is who we are in Christ. How do we live that out? And then we get into Ephesians 6. We are in protection. Right. Okay, so that's kind of the backdrop. But over the past few weeks, we've been talking about how we are spiritually dead. Dead, dead. And it's only because of his mercy, love, kindness, and grace, those were four four words in last week's uh, sermon, that God raised us from our spiritual state, uh, dead state, and he put us in Christ and he raised us up with Christ. I'm not going to go through all of that again. But today we're just continuing to talk about this gospel, this salvation. And we're hearing these words spoken by God through Paul. 
Now this, it has nothing to do with Ephesians, but as I looked at that and thought about that this week, I just want to parenthetically, there's like a parenthesis here and a parenthesis here. I want to throw this in because I need you to hear this. And the reason that I want to say this is because we have a lot of new believers that are a part of this fellowship. We have other people um, that haven't come to faith yet, right? And then we have other people that just need to be reminded of this. When we read the Word of God and Paul is speaking to us or Peter is speaking to us or David is speaking to us or Moses is speaking to us, we believe, and we can talk about this, we can give you books on this, but we believe that all of those words have come from God, okay? We just kind of take it for granted that everybody understands that. So I'm going to give you a couple of passages. This is 2 Peter 1.21. This is what it says. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. We see Paul's DNA. We see his personality come out in his writings, but it's from God. And another great passage for you to kind of put in your back pocket and go to is this one. It's 2 Timothy 3.16. It says it this way, All scripture is breathed out by God, and it's profitable for teaching. That's what we're doing this morning. We're teaching. It's also profitable for reproof and correction and training people, like Jennifer was talking about, training them how to walk in righteousness. And as I was preparing this week, for some reason, I just felt that I needed to drop that in so that people would see that you can trust the word of God. At Redstone Church Elizabeth, and we are going to be very word of God heavy. You'll have fewer stories and, you know, personality quirks that come into the sermon, but you're going to have a lot of the Word of God. We're going to bring that into our morning readings that we call CBR, where we're trying to get people to read the Word of God together. If we're going to disciple you, it's going to be taking you back to the Word of God. If we're going to do counseling or marriage counseling or anything else, we are going to go to the Word of God. So just understand that we believe it's the Word of God that has the ability to change people's lives. There, I have dropped that parenthetical statement in. I've made my point, and now we are going to go back to our passage. So let's go back to it again. This time, I'm actually highlighting for you, these are the words that we're going to touch on today. There's a lot. Have no fear. I will not keep you uh, that long, okay? For by grace, for is our first word. It's a bridge, which I'll discuss in a moment. By grace, you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For grace, saved, faith, gift, works. That's where we're headed. And in these words, it's going to go from the facts of salvation, which is what we've been looking at from 1-1, and it's going to talk about the how of salvation. We're saved, but how exactly, what was the mechanism, what was the catalyst for change, what did God use to save us? Okay, so again, a little informal this morning, obviously technologically we're struggling, batteries are dying and everything else, but when you read this passage, when you read Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, I'm just curious, what jumps off the page at you? What word, what thought do you have? Just spit it back and I'll, I'll say it aloud so that everybody can hear anyone. This is not like at the end of the service where I'm going to put a microphone in your hand. This is just, what do you see? What do you like? Grace. Not your own doing. Boast. It's a gift through faith. 
good stuff. But sometimes we just need to kind of take a step back and look at these words and think about what's being said here. Okay, and as I was preparing, I'm walking, I'm doing my little prayer walk, y'all know how I do, and I'm walking, I'm praying this morning, golly, I don't like a cord, I'm going to trip. If I trip and fall, someone has to take my notes and finish the sermon, okay? But I, um, I was walking and I was praying and I was reminded of this story from a guy by the name of Jack Roush. Who even knows who Jack Roush is? Anybody? Ah, there we go. Old people, of course. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean it. They are in my old people, old men coffee group, so that's just what we call it. Yeah, so Jack Roush was a NASCAR owner, right? And he uh, flew a plane, and I used to be in NASCAR a long time ago, and he was like flying a plane, um, and he, it crashed. It was a small plane. I don't know what kind of plane it is. We got a bunch of pilots in here, so you guys would know. And it crashes into this small lake, and he's, he's done for. And there happened to be, standing beside of the lake, um, a, a Marine veteran, who specialized in underwater rescue missions. And he dives in, he gets Jack Roush, he pulls him out, takes him to the shore, resuscitates him, takes him to the hospital. Four days later, Jack, Jack Roush wakes up. You know, and I'm like, well, where's this story coming from? And I started thinking about it. You know, four days later, you know, the family wants to know, so what did you do? How did you survive? What's he going to say? What did he do to save himself from that situation? Did he do anything? Not a thing. It was by grace that an underwater rescue marine vet was standing there, and he goes in after him, and he saves him, and he pulls him to the shore, and he just breathes faith into him, which is also a gift from God, and he rescues him. No works, nothing to boast on. You know, Jack couldn't be like, well, I mean, you know, what I did was, in these situations, what you need to do is, he didn't do anything. And I was like, man, that is salvation. And that is what is saying that it is saying in this passage. I think about how God saved me, and it was so similar. I had nothing to boast about. So the first word in our passage that we see here, it's for, okay? So for is pointing back to what we've discussed the past few weeks, okay? We were dead. God made us alive. He raised us with Christ. He rescued us. He saved us. He rescued us. It was all him. So for is the bridge that takes us from the act of salvation, and it takes us into this how of salvation, okay? Today, we're going to try to let the word of God do the teaching, but the how is going to be the first word that we're going to look at. And the thing I want to do today is be as simple as possible because this is a simple passage. It's very straightforward. So I'm going to start off with a very simple truth number one. Okay, so truth number one, if you're new here, worship guide, you got a place to fill in notes or you know fill in the blanks with your notes if you want to do so. So this is one of those. Pretty simple. We just said it. This is truth 1A. We've never done a 1A. We're doing 1A and 1B. So you're like, wait, what? Yep, 1A. Truth number 1A is we are saved by grace. Grace. Old hymn. I don't sing, but I don't mind either. You know, grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will... 
Cleanse within grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater. See, don't you love that? Grace that is greater than all my sin. Man, I found myself just singing that and thinking about what is this word that it is so powerful that it is greater than all of the foolish and sinful things that I have done in my life and is able to cover them. That's the word grace. And that's what we're going to look at. So the Greek word, I'm going to mispronounce it. That's okay. You all can make fun of me afterwards. It's, it sounds something like charis, charis, okay? And we usually say charis, as in charis hovered, right? So beautiful word. And its meaning is to show kindness, to gift, it's favor, it's goodwill, it's to manifold graciousness, which includes the word, so that one's technically cheating, to manifold graciousness toward. And in an earlier sermon several months ago, I described grace as this. I said it's the channel through which all of God's blessings flow to us. It's the channel through which all of God's blessings to us. And that makes sense when we understand that scripturally, this is not me, but scripture says that before Christ that we're at enmity, at enmity with God. Our sins have separated us from him. We have fallen short of the glory of God and we are not deserving of anything but death and punishment. So for the Lord to choose to extend kindness to to us can be nothing other than his grace to us. And we understand that in salvation. Here's a story. Again, stories came to me this week. I was was thinking, I was praying. So I'm a sophomore going into my junior year in high school. And my grandmother, uh, the the closest grandmother that I ever had, the other was died, you know, early on. So I didn't really know them. But this grandmother, I I loved her, knew her well. But I'm in this stage where I'm in the basketball and I'm in the girls, so I'm not going to see my grandmother a whole lot. She's in and out of the hospital. We don't ever think anything about that because she always comes out of it. Well, this time's different. My dad comes to me one night. He's got tears in his eyes, and he sits my sister down and sits me down, and he says, hey, Gran is not doing well. And she has asked me to come to you and to tell you that she does not want you to come to the hospital and see her anymore. The last time you saw her, her spirits were up, she was happy, she was laughing, and she wants you to remember that. She doesn't feel like she's going to make it, so she told me to have you promise me that you will not come visit her. And I'm like, man, that's pretty weighty. So we're like, dad, isn't she going to be okay? And he's like, I don't know this time. It doesn't look good from what the doctors are saying. Well, that stunk. Fast forward, at the end of the week, I'm actually on a date. It's a Friday night, and I'm driving around, um, and it just hits me. I'm like, I got to go see my grandmother. And the person I was with was like, well, you're not allowed to. You made a promise that you wouldn't. I was like, I got to go see my grandmother. She was like, okay, but your dad's going to kill you. And I'm like, I got to go see my grandmother. So I walk into, this is John City Medical Center, and I walk into um, ICU, the, the visitation area or whatever, and my mom was there and my aunt was there, and they were like, well, Jerry, what are you doing here? You know, it's so, so odd that you're here. You're really not supposed to be here. And I'm like, I know. And so I sit down with them, and I'm talking. All of a sudden, my dad comes blaring out of the ICU doors. He's been back there with my grandmother, and he's like, where's Jerry? Where's Jerry? 
And I'm like, I'm not here today. He said, come, hurry, come, come. And he gets me, and we go back into the room, and my grandmother is sitting up in the bed, and she is talking, she's laughing, she gets my hand, you know how grandmothers do, she's patting me on the hand, how's my baby boy, you know, it's this whole thing, and we're having this amazing conversation. My dad's like, wow, okay, what I didn't know is that she had been in a coma for a couple of days. So she comes out of this coma, and we're having this amazing exchange, she tells me how much she loves me, and I walk out of the room, my dad walks me out of the room, and he was like, wow, and I'm like, I know, Right? And I get in the car and I go home. He walks back into the room and she was back in her coma. And she died two hours later. Yeah, when you hear things like that, you think, wow, that's grace. And here, let me underscore it. I wasn't a believer. I wasn't a Christian. I was living pretty deep in sin. So when I say grace is the channel through which all God's blessings flow, we understand that the Word of God says that He causes it to rain upon the just and the unjust. If you're a believer, you know, and you've got salvation, yeah, that's by God's grace. But if you're an unbeliever and you're hearing this gospel and you're still alive today to hear it, that's God's grace as well. If you've had children, if you've experienced love, if you've had breath in your lungs, everything that the Lord chooses to give to us is only by his grace. Going back to the passage, and in chapter 2, Paul's going out of his way to show us that it's by grace that God has saved us. He is the one that is responsible for saving us. We didn't do anything. But then he takes it a step further, and this is why we've got a 1A and a 1B, okay? And he says it's by grace, and then he finishes that statement and that sentence with what will be our truth one. B, you know what it's going to be. But this grace that brings salvation is not complete unless it is combined with faith. Faith. So Sam Adams, he's watching online this morning. We would call him our prepositional elder, right? He would, of course, remind us as an English teacher that these words by and through are indeed prepositions, both having similar meanings, via, via means of, on account of, because of, or thanks to. Okay, so let me read it. So it is by, via, on account of, because of, and through, grace, with grace as the object of the preposition, and through, via, on account of, because of, and through faith, where faith is the object of the preposition, that salvation comes. Saved by grace through faith. Are you following me so far? Okay, can you diagram that and turn those in? I would appreciate it. We're going to grade these. Okay, so what is faith? A couple of definitions for faith. What can be believed? Faith is trust. It's assurance of or confidence in, or we actually do have a definition that the Word of God gave to us, Hebrews 11.1, 1, which says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And then a few verses later, he goes on to say that actually without faith, it is impossible to even please God. Wow. Impossible to please God 
it must be critically important, and it is. But hear me, this word faith will never be completed and full in this life, on this side of heaven, any more than salvation will be, which I'll explain in a few moments. So in Mark 9, the story is told of this boy that has an unclean spirit, okay? And his dad takes him to Jesus. And this is what the exchange looks like. The man says to Jesus, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus responds and says, if I can, all things are possible for one who believes. You remember the story? And immediately the father looks back at Jesus and says, I believe, but help my unbelief. And when I hear that, when I listen to those words, I'm like, oh, someone after my own heart. I am the man that in one moment has great faith to move mountains. And in the next moment, my tail's between my legs and I'm scared and I'm running. And it is like that. There's been a constant kind of, you know, more faith over time. But as I'm going like this, there's a lot of this to get there. And I think that you guys are probably the same way as well, I would guess, I would hope. And here's the thing. Jesus is actually okay with that as long as it's real faith, real belief. And in this case, the father had gotten the son and taken him to find Jesus. And there's where you see the faith. So the latter moments of disbelief in his heart, they did not put Jesus off. Jesus goes so far as to say in Luke 17 that it can be faith as as small as a mustard seed as long as it is true and genuine faith. And without going too far down this road today, because we're going to cover this topic pretty thoroughly next week, let me say this. I have this one underlined. True faith will be shown with our daily and moment-by-moment actions, with our responses to situations, and with our works, dot, 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 for the rest of our lives. There's too much there. Go to James. He talks a lot about it. You can't have true belief and you can't have true faith if it does not change the way that you live your life. And in saying this, let me look at, this is James 2.19. It doesn't mean when James says, even the demons believe and shudder, it doesn't mean that the demons have saving faith. He is no way trying to attribute, see, this is faith, therefore they have salvation. No, there can be a belief without repentance and a belief without Jesus' fellowship. And it's not just the demons who have it. I see it every day in Upper East Tennessee. And this is why it can be so frustrating and cumbersome trying to share the gospel in an area where everybody believes and everybody has faith. We're all Christians and it's just not true because everybody thinks they're a Christian. How are they going to see their their need for a Savior? You won't unless you see yourself as spiritually what? Dead. If you think you've got some life in you, why do you need anyone to dive in to pull you from the wreckage, and to breathe life back into you. You still got a breath in your lungs. I'm all right. I'm all right. And I see it. 
all around us. It would be like me believing in hair and thinking if I go to the barber shop every week, one day I'm going to wake up with curly locks. And it will not happen. It's not going to happen. Going to church, doing good works, believing that there is a God and believing the fact that Jesus died on a cross, okay, he says, repent, believe, come follow me. And this is why we often use that word, Jesus fellowship, in our church and in discipleship conversations instead of Christianity. Because if you say Christianity, oh, I'm good. I'm already a Christian. Been in church my whole life. Are you following Jesus? Can we talk about that? And before I digress into too many meanderings of the difficulties of sharing the gospel in the South, how about if we just go back to the passage? So let's go to verse number 8 again. For by grace you have been saved. It is by grace, preposition is through faith, that we have been what? Here's the word, it's saved. Well, there's a red word, let's find out what it means but let me first say this, within our church body, we do have some individuals that love the Greek and they love the Latin, okay? I got, we got a handful of them. We got three of them here today. And I don't want to embarrass any of them, but I will say this, that one of the individuals came to me last week. I won't, I won't use his name, but it's Jesse's husband. And he came to me <laughs> last week and he said, Jerry, he said, I know where you're going next week. He said, you know what the word saved in the Greek means? And I'm like, I bet you're going to tell me, you know. And he says, it's got three parts to it, right? The one is past tense, the way that we were saved. The second part is this ongoing saving that the Lord does in our lives. But then there's the future salvation when our salvation is complete. He said, every bit of that's wrapped up in that one word. And it's not that I didn't believe Jesse's husband, you know, but Luke, uh, Jesse's husband was right. And I did my research, and sure enough, that's exactly what it means, okay? So for first, okay, when it says that you have been saved, Grace, you have been saved, that is past tense. It doesn't say that you were made savable, that would mean, oh, so now I can maybe one day be saved. It says, no, you were saved. In the same way I was reading on the way to church this morning, I was in Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's present tense. It's already taken place. So we have been saved. The second part denotes this ongoing saving that takes place. We often use the word sanctification. Right? We have been saved, but it's not like that that we learn how to say no to sin. Remember you know, the Titus passage, it's, you know, the grace of God you know, has appeared to all men, and it teaches us to say no to ungodliness. It trains us. That's sanctification. It doesn't happen in one moment. Think Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And actually, we were watching The Chosen last night, and we were watching the, um, the scene with a woman at the well, right? And, and I was like, ah, oh, this, is, this is in my message tomorrow because he says this living water will spring up. It will well up. It will bubble up into eternal life, okay? So you see what I'm saying? It comes over time, and that's the second part of the saving. And then the third part of the saving is one day when it's all over. There's no more pain, 
There's no more sorrow. There's no more death. It, I don't understand it. I, it's way above my pay grade to understand what eternity is going to look like. But I do know that we will be eternally saved from this struggle and from temptation and from our sins. Every bit of that is wrapped up in this one little word. So if I can, I'm going to try to put that into one clear yet long and thorough truth number two. And it's going to be a doozy. Okay, so here we go. This may be our longest truth of the year. I'm just going to read it slowly. There's some underlines if you want to write them down. When in faith we accept God's gracious gift of salvation, we are A, saved from the penalty of sin and the fear of death. Yet while on earth we will be, or we will be, continue to be saved from our flesh, the lure of sin and the tactics of the enemy. And then one day we will see, be eternally saved, residing in heaven with the Lord where there is no sin and there is no evil and where death is conquered with finality. And when I read that, when I think about that kind of a truth, it makes passages like, and if you don't know where I'm talking about, maybe jot it down and go look at it later, but it makes passages like Romans 7 come alive to me. You know, when Romans 8, you know, when Paul's saying, I know the things I should not do, but I do them anyway. I know what I shouldn't do, but I end up doing them anyway. And he cries out. We looked at it a few weeks ago. You know, who shall rescue me from this body of sin and death? And he says, but thanks be to God through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Fast forward two verses later, and he says, for there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I look at that passage and I say, yeah, so Romans 7 is this process, this sanctification. And I have to cry out to that same Jesus over and over and over for the rest of my life. I've had to do so this week multiple, multiple times. I'm like, who shall rescue me from this body of sin and death? There is so much pride, arrogance, slander, the things that come out of my heart would disappoint you. And I go to Jesus over and over and over. And I think I'll probably have to continue that for the rest of my life. And so will you. That's what's encompassed within this truth. So Sam, I don't know how to grammatically take care of all that. He'll have to help us with that when he comes back. But we do need to continue. So let's finish this passage because there's one more truth or there's one more thing that I want you all to see that is just way, way too important for us to skip. A few of you said it earlier when you were popcorning and spitting out your thoughts on the passage, and it says this. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. It's just Paul underscoring everything that he's been saying. Do you remember when we first started this series, we said, if you feel like you're hearing the gospel every week, you're hearing about in Christ every week, you're hearing about the rescue every week, that actually is a good thing because we are trying to sear this into your minds and into your hearts that you understand our only hope is Jesus Christ rescuing us. And maybe it takes 10, 12 weeks for that to settle into our hearts, but we need to see it. We need to know it. 
Otherwise, we get sucked into the works wagon and we think that somehow that that's going to help us. Okay, popcorn again. So when you see not our own doing and not because of works, what are some doings, what are some works that we religious people oftentimes look at as things that the Lord would just pat us on the back for and say, good job. Can you give me a couple of those? Charity. Mission trips. Sharing the gospel. Is there anything wrong with any of those? Not a thing. Anything else? Going to church. You need to go to church, though, right? Carolee, you need to go to church. All right, what else? Reading scripture. Did, you, did I read my scripture today? Check. Did I, what goes with scripture? Did I talk to Jesus today? Check. Did I go to church this week? Check. I remember the envelopes that used to be in the, the giving envelopes in the church that I was a part of. And every week when you gave your gift, they had like all the checklists. Did you read your Bible every day? Did you pray every day? Are you giving this week? Did you share Jesus with others? And it was, it was awful. It's like, ah, so this is what I got to do because I wanted to be able to check them all, right? And I could not check them all, but I could, you know, at least read Jesus wept every day. So, and those works, those doings somehow make us feel like that these acts of righteousness will make the Lord say, that's what I'm talking about. So if you'll keep on doing, you'll get there. You'll work your way up, okay? But you know what Scripture says about our acts of righteousness, don't you? Um, Isaiah 64, 6 says that all of our righteousness is as what? Ah, I actually had a visual, and I left it at home. I had the dirty, nasty, oil-covered you know, white rag, and then I had the, you know, the perfectly clean rag. And, and that's what it is. It's, um, in the ESV, it's a polluted garment, or it is a filthy rag. So think about that. On your very best day, your very best week, this was the week. You checked all of them every single day. You went to church. You went to church two or three times. Right? You went to discipleship thing, whatever. You um, shared the gospel. You sang uh, Christian songs. You listened to WCQR only all week long. Right? It was your, it was, this was the week. This was the week. And the Lord looks at that week, and he gets his rag, and he wipes it over you and all of your works and all of your deeds, and he raises it up. Say, so let's look at it. And you know what it looks like? It's a filthy dirty rag. If you don't get that, then you're never going to get salvation. We cannot work our way to salvation. It is only his doing. But the, the converse, the, re, the reverse of that is, remember last week when I was saying Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Paul is having Stephen stone, stone him. And then like the next day, Jesus says, Paul, this is salvation, and he loves on him. In his worst moment, in your worst moment, when you say, I believe the gospel, Jesus, I will follow you, Jesus can do the same thing on our worst moment, and he raises it up, and what do you see? Purity, whiteness, cleanness, righteousness, without accusation. These aren't my words. Peace with God redeemed, sanctified, justified, loved eternally. 
It makes no sense, people, but that is salvation. I mean, how amazing and how humbling is that? Golly, I pat myself on the back way too much. It's just filthy rags. And Jesus is like, you're already saved, right? You're already cleansed. Quit trying to impress me and just come follow me. But when I think about that, I looked at this little graph. You know, it's just religion versus the gospel. We've looked at this before. You can have your own list, and it's definitely not all-encompassing. But on one side, you've got good deeds, giving, being good, staying away from certain sins or even certain people, attending church, et cetera, et cetera, equals filthy rags, guilt remains, equals eternal damnation. The gospel by grace. This is our, this is our verse this morning. <clears throat> it's right here. By grace, through faith, not of your own doing, gift of God, no result of works, no one can boast, equals complete forgiveness, sins and guilt removed, equals salvation. As we close, just listen to it one more time. Let the word of God speak to us, for by grace we have been saved, through faith, This is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works. No one may boast. You know, church, unbelievers, and and people that maybe have been in church your whole life, but in your heart you're really not following Jesus. There's probably some of that here as well. Just know it's all him. It is all him. You do not have the ability or the capacity to create any works or any deeds that would ever make you righteous before a holy God. None whatsoever. You have fallen short. Your only hope is in Jesus. As we close, close, close. That means it's real this time. I'm going to show you four verses and let the word of God close us out today. And then we're going to pray. The first one, Romans 3, 23 through 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Galatians 2, 16. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith, there's our word, in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ Jesus and not by works of the law because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Philippians 3.9 And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, my works, my deeds, but that which comes through faith In Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And we'll conclude with this one, 1 Corinthians 1, 30-31. And because of Him, God, you are in Christ Jesus, who has become to us as He wipes us. And on our worst day, in our worst sin, you have become wisdom from God righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that it is written, let the one who boasts, 
boast in the Lord. Amen and amen. We're going to spend a few moments in prayer. I'm going to open it up in Redstone. You know, if you're visiting Redstone for the first time, just know that we always want to have the body respond to the message. So we're going to do that this morning. And then afterwards, Maddie, we're going to boast in him. And even in this time together, we can boast in him. But for right now, let's let Jerry be quiet. Let's just be still before the Lord and let him speak to us. Bow your heads. Jesus, you have said that you are able to speak to your sheep in a way that they can hear you, and we pray that you would do so. And for the unbelievers, Lord, your word says that no one can come to you except the Father which sent you draw them unto you, so you are able to speak to them as well. So, Lord, please do so.